0: Hey guys, Parker here. Welcome back to Baseball that Show. In this episode, we're going to continue to talk about making pitching adjustments uh, in lessons and in games. Um, so, got a lot of feedback from the last uh, two messages we sent to our newsletter and the last podcast we put out. And I get it, right? The pitching coaches do what they do. You know, they bark and they defend their position and they're trying to defend their income and their livelihood. And, and, that, and that's fine. Um, it's wrong. I disagree with it. Um, but that's their cross to bear, not mine. So, Um, There were a lot of questions, though, about around, like, making adjustments in the moment. Like, what if we could make an adjustment that could help him throw strikes in the moment? So, look, if your son is in a game um, and there's something that he can do to help him throw more strikes, help him compete better and help him uh, do better for his team, yeah, absolutely, you should do that, right? But most of the time, and I'm going to come to the long and short of this in a second, But most of the time, the things that we say mechanically are not the things to say, right? So first of all, a pitcher, a pitcher, I often, when I start with players, I'll often talk about how pitching coaches often instruct as if the pitcher and the pitching coach have the same point of view. And we don't, right? So as a pitching coach, I can see your whole body. I can see all of your movements. I can see how they come together. I can see all that. The pitcher can't, right? Just as I'm sure, you know, I am walking here after my run. I'm I'd imagine you're sitting somewhere, or maybe you're running or you're in a car, right? Well, we have a left foot. Right? I, I can't see it right now because I'm looking forward. But I know it's there, right? But we we are often coaching them, telling them mechanical things to do with their body, thinking that they have that, that they have the same perspective as we do. And they can see the same things and understand the same things that we do. That's a lot. For First of all, it's, it's like impossible. I could, And I do it all the time. I prove it all the time with kids when I'm working with them. That's a longer discussion. But if you did want to do something, if you were going to sit, let's say you have a right-handed pitcher who's missing up and in to right, and he's aiming right for the middle of the plate. Yeah, if you want to make an adjustment to adjust your target low and away, and that puts, your, puts the ball in the middle of the plate, yeah, then do it absolutely do it like yeah of course you would right like it's kind of like if you got a hole in your tire right and you got one of those things that can kind of pump up the tire one of those little you know like cans you insert that can pump up the tire for a little bit at least get you through to where you can get a new tire so absolutely and anytime that so so when we're talking to pitchers in a game we don't want to talk to them about body parts we want to talk about targets and anytime you're you're adjusting targets you're also going to adjust mechanics. So a kid who throws a right-handed pitcher if he misses up and into a right-hand hitter, and then adjusts to throw the ball down and away so that he can, you know, quote unquote miss over the plate. He's he's automatically, he can't do that with the same mechanics, right? So his mechanics will start to change. But that's not patterning. Right? That's duct taping. And so anytime you change a target, we improve things, right? So I'll give everybody who's had the experience, every guy who's listening to this, you've pulled up to a urinal that had like the little dot. Or the little bug, right, on the kernel thing. And what did we all do? We all tried to hit the bug, right? So, you know, that's that's anytime we can do that, we should do that, right? Adjust the target. Now, that's the short of it. The problem is when that becomes the system. So when the duct tape becomes the building system, when the portable air filler upper thingy becomes the system, when the guy making tweaks becomes the system, that's where it becomes a problem. And that's what you see in a lot of lessons because there's also this um, pressure for the pitcher to perform in a lesson. So I'll give you an example of why this doesn't, why, why, why pitching coaches won't do this. Some of it's just ignorance, right? They just don't know. They just don't know what they don't know. Some of it is they don't understand it, can't communicate it, um, don't have the patience, um, or they just want to do it their way. Right. Um, but I'm going to tell you what some of it is. Some of it's the business model that's taking over, like the industry is kind of taking over. So when we do coaches trainings, I'll say to pitching coaches, you know, that there's things that you're teaching kids. That's going to take them probably about eight or 10 minutes of kind of ugly work to figure it out. Like we have to let them kind of throw a lot of bad pitches, do some things poorly, look bad. And we've got it, we know the best thing for them is to say nothing. And to just let them have that time to figure it out. Now, when we talk to pitching coaches, we say, well, you guys don't do that though, right? I say, yeah. I said, but, so the reason why they won't do it is because if you're sitting there, if you're a pitching coach in a lesson, and you have a pitcher who's sitting there for six, eight minutes, figuring something out. So we know what's going on. We know he's learning. We know that he's trying to connect things in his brain to his body, right? We know what's happening. We know that that takes time. The problem is a pitching coach standing next to a kid not doing well for six, eight, 10 minutes, doesn't look good. A pitching coach standing next to a kid who's not doing well, period, like doesn't look good, even if he's talking. But a pitching coach standing there and not saying anything really doesn't look good. Really doesn't look good. And so the pitching coach will, all the time, they will say, well, yeah, I think it makes us look bad. Okay, well, now who's this about? Is this about what's best for the player and the player learning? Or is this about what you were hired to do, which is make the player better? So. It's like a surgeon saying, "I, I, I, I don't want any blood." <laughs> you know, surgery is is often uh, difficult, right? Surgery is is an intervention into our body that's going to cause our body to go into you know some state of recovery. Now we have a lot of uh, doctors and a few surgeons who listen to this podcast, but so uh, I'm speaking not as a doctor, but what we know is that the short-term negative effects of the surgery, we know outweigh the long-term positive effects. And so my concern is that we do a lot of duct taping. We do a lot of things that are good in the moment. And then we are like, again, in, my, in, my, in the last podcast, the distortion is, is that it works. That's the system, that's how it works. But the second a player can't run that, the second a player his his mental um, attention is diverted, he's going to fall back to mechanical patterns. And when's that going to show up the most? When will his mental attention be divided the most? When will he be feel the most pressure, the most um, be the most self-conscious, feel the most like anxiety of the moment? It's going to be in big games, in tryouts, in showcases, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, it's going to be, he's going to fall back to his old patterns and forget that duct tape system when he needs it the most. When we can just go through a phase of building in the patterns of high velocity mechanics, helping our kids understand that we have to build those patterns and maintain those patterns. Right? So I tell all my students I can get you to intellectually understand a free throw in a few minutes, probably give you a complete master's level breakdown of what's going on in the free throw and I don't know, probably a short time. You'd have a pretty good grasp of it. But if you want that thing to be automatic, there's only one way that happens. And that's like, you know, famous story of Kobe Bryant. I don't know if it's true. Shooting like 500 free throws the day before he retired. And so look, if you don't shoot your free throws, it doesn't go down to zero. But if you don't shoot them, you don't want to be that guy sitting on the line with two seconds left to go, and you're dropped down to an 80% free throw shooter because you didn't maintain your free throw shot. You don't want to be that pitcher who's sitting in a tryout or a showcase or a big game, and you can't throw strikes because you didn't build and maintain your mechanical patterns. Because you got some pitching coach who's just duct taping, making adjustments, thinking like you're doing something, creating a distortion for the pitcher. And meanwhile, your son's out there, and he's the one paying the price, and you're paying the bill for the pitching coach. So. Um, if you guys are interested, we have uh, summer sessions opening up, live in-person sessions. Um, and I, I, I don't do camps. I don't do um, any big group stuff. I do one-on-one kind of hyper-personalized stuff. So, uh, And also our virtual VLO program, if you want to work virtually. So um, you can text me, 201-323-0840. Or send me an email, paulreddick at gmail.com. And just tell me that you're interested in that. And I'll get you some information. We can set up a time to discuss and uh, talk about all the options that that are available for me to work with or something. All right, guys. See you in the next episode. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads. And I would love for you to check it out. You can go to baseballdadsbook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So, again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.